Welcome everybody to a, another edition of the award-winning, since we're handing out our own awards now, I guess, podcasts. Our last for the next two weeks, and amazingly, as I'm Owen Newkirk, and the driver and guy responsible for our personal health and safety, Sean Shapiro, uh, this is one of five remaining possible car casts, four after this, um, and the Stars are about to embark on a six-game road trip tomorrow. They'll play Sunday in Pittsburgh. Amazingly, after six road games, they'll have four home, four road left. So it seems like after this next nearly two-week trip that the season is just on the verge of being done. Yeah. But let's let's we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about tonight's game, the two-to-one Stars victory over the NIM Ducks. The Stars came into the game with a really poor 2-5-1 record this season when they play a team that played the night before. The logic says, Sean, that when you are the fresher team, you should have more energy, therefore you should have a better chance of winning the hockey game. And yet, the Stars have a terrible record this year coming into tonight's game with that, and they have an above 500 record when they're playing the second night of a back-to-back. It makes, it defies logic. It doesn't make much sense. And on top of that, uh, now Ryan Miller isn't a on the backup level of other backups, but the Stars also have the history of struggling against backup goalies. And this was a, uh, and this was another uh, game where they were playing a backup goalie. And actually, this the same situation, um, it was a similar situation the first time they were in playing in Anaheim. Anaheim had, wasn't playing a back-to-back, but Anaheim... John they, Gibson was hurt. John Gibson was hurt. His last game at Vegas. John Gibson was hurt. The Stars had were in Anaheim for two days before, while the Ducks played the night before. Um, two nights before, they played the Stars That's in right. Vegas. So they, the Ducks were traveling. They had an um, energy advantage. Yeah. So it was a very similar scenario to the first time they played the Ducks, and actually a very similar game if you watch how things played. The Stars were the better team in both games they played the Ducks. Yep. Um, but tonight they got the results, um, and there was the... Uh, yeah, if they had scored on that 5-on-3 in the early part of the third period in Anaheim, mm-hmm. we might be talking about a different result. Yes. Very it was 1-0 so. at the time, if I remember correctly, and it then Getzlaff ended up coming out of the box and scoring a shorthanded goal after Bishop misjudged the distance, the, the puck looked, he thought it was going to roll farther, and it backspin and died. Yeah. It was a Tiger Woods approach shot. Yeah. And then a heck, of a, died. a heck of a play by Getzlaff to flip it over the sprawling Bishop, hop over him, gain his control, and then shoot from a sharp angle before Sagan got back. But that's old news. Old tonight, news. New tonight, news. Tonight, uh, Stars trailing going into the third period. It's an area the Stars have... Well, trailing in the third period hasn't been... It's been positive recently. This is the fourth straight game that they were trailing in the third period and came back to either get a point or win. Right. Winning games... A couple of those games, they were tied going into the period, but then went behind. Winning games when trailing after 40 minutes has not been a strong suit for this team. Heading into tonight, they were 118-2. And And Hitch admitted, Sean, not long ago, that this team is not built for that. They're a team that built of being hard to play against, score a goal or two, and defend a lead, not chase a lead. And so they go into tonight trailing one nothing heading into the third period. They haven't gotten a power play yet, and based off what happened in Nashville on Tuesday, maybe that wasn't the worst thing you were thinking, <laughs> you know, you're thinking at the time. And then yeah, both that, teams 0 for 4 on the man advantage on the, Nashville. They get that power play on a play where uh, Corey Perry closes his hand on the puck. Um, 
a play that uh, was kind of funny afterwards hearing the post-game comments where Hitch is talking about how the, uh, the Stars pressured the, the Ducks into penalties. And on the, on the other side, Randy Carlisle is saying that's a stupid penalty by my players. <laughs> the, uh, but the second penalty yeah, was no, probably first, pressured. The second penalty, I thought, I was wondering. Here's the amazing thing. Stars get the power play. Right? It was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't very good. They lose the face off right away and get sent all the way down. That almost seems to be the modus operandi of the Stars on the power play, at least lately, which is get the man advantage, lose the draw, give up the first 15 seconds chasing it back behind your own net. But, interesting bit of maybe poetic justice here, Sean. Devin Shore gets free and gets tackled, downright taken down by yes. Josh Manson. No call. Should have given the Stars a five on three, and yet it's sure the one that, as the power play's winding down, redirects the, the Sagan pass into the top corner and gets the goal. So it all worked out in the end. Yeah, and that's a, uh, that's a goal that I really... So that power play was terrible for a minute and 50 seconds almost. Uh, Jamie Ben claims the fans were booing. I actually didn't hear any fans booing during the power play. Uh, but maybe, I think there were a few boos when they had to chase the puck back maybe, in their own zone. Maybe. Uh, I thought I heard some. Okay. I, I'm not saying that there wasn't any. I just hadn't heard yeah, any. And so, noticed it, yeah. and so he said something about that in the game, but I remember in his post-game availability, and I remember I kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit just because I didn't remember hearing it myself. Uh, but... The first 80, 80, 85 seconds of the power play is terrible. Um, then what works for them is obviously there's a bit of a finesse play. Sagan makes the nice pass, short with a great tip, but it's one of those plays where what do you need to see on the power play? You need to see guys going hard to the net, you need to get traffic, and they went to the right areas, and with a little bit of precision, it worked out really well. Yep. That's, that's honestly, that's what happened on the second power play goal, too. Second power play, Antoine Roussel draws the penalty where it uh, breaks through. I was actually wondering for a bit if maybe they might. I wouldn't have called it a penalty shot, but I was wondering if Why they might. Why wouldn't you? He's behind the last defender. He gets taken down and doesn't get a chance let me, to get let a me, shot. Let me rephrase that. I, would, I was saying, I, was, I would have called it as a penalty shot. I didn't have spoken. I would have called it as a penalty shot. Yep. I was not expecting the referee to call it. Right, I understand that. Yeah. And yet, I sit here and I wonder again, why? A, a year, in, or I think it was last year, so it was not this season, but the season before, so almost two years ago now, the NHL came out and said, we're relaxing the criteria for a penalty shot. We're going to encourage our officials to call a few more. And I sit there and go, it doesn't seem like it. No. Why not? What does it hurt? Now, granted, the star scored on the power play, so that worked out. But why shouldn't there be a few more? Penalty shots are exciting. For as much as I bemoan shootouts and hate them, a penalty shot is completely different because it's recreating a chance for a scoring chance that was taken away by an infraction. Those, I mean, you want excitement in a hockey game, you, there should be a few more penalty shots. I don't see why not. And look, I've seen this year, Sean, we've seen penalty shots given, Patrick Line, I might add, on plays where they were impeded, but they still got a shot away and forced to save, and they gave the penalty shot. Here, he doesn't give, even get the opportunity. He gets completely dropped by Pedersen and nothing. Well, the other thing. So that, that, yeah. there's my soapbox yeah. moment for the night. Okay, I'm going to continue with soapbox, okay. by the way. Please. So the other thing that comes up, too, and this is not. If Tyler Sagan's in that position, I think it's a penalty shot. Yeah, and, and Jamie, I thought about that, too. If Jamie Benn's in that position, it's a penalty shot. But since it's Antoine Roussel who breaks through, I don't think it's a penalty shot. Not, not, I'm not saying that's why 
I'm not saying I'm not defending that. I'm just saying right. I think that's why. Right. You're not like you're saying this is the reality, not yes. why it should. This is the reality. That's why. By the way, uh, Patrick Liney gets through something like that. He gets a penalty shot. Connor McDavid gets a penalty shot on that play. Scott Burnside asked Antoine in an article he wrote recently about if he had any uh, collectibles, NHL memorabilia that were particularly special. He said he didn't. I mean, his on-the-flies are a lot of fun. He said, I don't know if I had much at first, but, you know, Jason Spezza got me into collecting sticks of other players. But the problem is, is that not a lot of players liked me. Yes. I thought it was a great answer. That's yeah. right. If you're an agitator, you're not exactly in the good graces of your opposition. No. Jason Spezza might be able to go over to somebody like Ryan Getzlaff or Corey Perry and say, hey, you know, I want to swap sticks or something like that or, you know, for a collectible. Antoine Roussel might come over and the guy might say, hey, take a hike. Yeah. So I just, I found that very funny and he was he was really good about that. So the Stars don't get the penalty shot, but they see the goal on the power play. Um, at first glance, it wasn't sure who tipped it. Obviously, once you saw the replay, it was clear Jamie Benn had the tip. Um, I wasn't even sure, Sean, before we watched the replay, if it took a deflection. There was a screen in front, and the first shot, first uh, replay angle, wasn't one where you could get a good blank glance. Now, the, the super slow-mo, which by far is always the best for those, you could clearly see that the captain tipped it down and in the net. For a minute, I don't know if you felt this way, I kind of went, wow, that's close to the crossbar. I wonder if the Ducks will ask them to take a look. Because it was a crucial part of the game, it was relatively close to crossbar height. Why not take a look? They didn't. They didn't even flinch at it. It's a fair thought. I actually hadn't thought about that. Um, I just. I guess because I saw the. I had seen the replay in time. And Remember, I, we saw Devin Shores' uh, goal not get waved off for kicking in. Mm-hmm. I just felt like there was a, a chance there, but no, and it's a good goal. So something I thought about, and I asked Jamie then about this after the game, and something I wrote in my uh, my 2020 piece after the game at the Athletic. Is there a shameless plug? Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> um, one thing. Jamie Ben told the Athletic. <laughs> well, no, he told the entire scrum. Okay, he told the whole scrum. Um, the. Uh, Klingberg may have one of the most typical shots in the league. Um, and that's a good thing. I'm not, I'm saying what you're saying is that he shoots for the tip. He's not necessarily yes. trying to score on that. Yes. He He's is. trying to get it to the player, his teammate, in the slot. You want to get it first by the, the, the shot blocker, the forward that's trying to get in the lane, and then you want to get it at a height in which a player can actually make a play on it. Yeah. And it's, it's impressive. I mean, it's something I think we kind of take for granted because we see him do it all the time. But it's something that a lot of other, most players can't get the shot through like that that consistently. And it's also it's also an art form of being able to get into a spot, into that kind of that soft spot where Jamie Benton can make that tip and make that play. Well, it's amazing, Sean, because if you think from not that long ago, and there are some players that still can do it in the league, the power play was two guys, two point men. Mm-hmm. And then three guys down low, one yep. guy in front, two on the wings, and they were they would literally bomb shots from the blue line and look for the rebounds and mm-hmm. what have you. Players have gotten so good and so willing to block shots that if you just close your eyes and swing as hard as you can at the point, it's not going to get through. The it's players get through play, the defender will anticipate and they'll block it. Or in, in a lot of times, if you do that, it ends up going the other way. Right, you block it with your shin pad standing up and then off you go to the races. And it's not only a bad shot, but it now puts you in a compromised, shorthanded situation. Yeah, and it's, it just it adds to what I, I wrote. 
Mike, I wrote a story a week and a half ago about Stephen Johns. Now, Stephen Johns is kind of bomb shots a little bit more than everyone else. When I was working on that story, I was talking to John, I was talking to John Klingberg about his shooting and his, uh, his shot selection. And I asked, and I kind of gave him a little bit of, uh, gave him a little bit of crap saying, well, you must be an expert in slap shots after his uh, performance in the Hardest Shot competition. <laughs> um, and he, he kind of... Well, did he, sing yeah, it in around 97. Yeah. And he kind of retorted to me at the time. He said, I, he said, have you ever seen me take a slap shot? I never take slap shots. That's right. <laughs> so, because, well, for, yeah. the other reason is they take a little bit of time to get, yes. to release, to get off. And They're, so... It's much quicker to snap it or wrist it than it is to take the full windup, allowing the, the defender to get in the lane. And they're much easier for the goalie to read too, actually. Sure. Uh, as a goalie, you have it's you're trying to read the puck off the tape, and if a guy is teeing up for a slap shot, it's much easier to read. Sure, it could knuckle, it could take a tip, and that gets difficult. But if it's and it's fast, and it's fast, but if it's a clean look through, it's especially how big goalies are and how technical they are. It's much it's a much easier save. Uh, sometimes then that quick release um, and this that either that snapshot or wrist shot where you're maybe disguising a little bit, you can hide the puck a little bit more. It's almost like getting a. It's almost like it's almost like how the effectiveness of a fastball for a baseball pitcher isn't how fast he throws; it's how much he can kind of hide that delivery as long right. as he can. Yep. And you know what? And goal scorers do the same thing. Tyler Sagan says that one of the things that he thinks makes Austin Matthews such a good goal scorer is how well he hides the puck when he shoots, whether it's shooting it, pulling it back into the body to make it harder to see, or he even told me the other day, he said that Matthews shoots really well through screens uh, using the defender so that the goalie doesn't see it very well. Yeah. I mean, those are important skills. Stars get so that that goal by uh, Jamie Ben makes it two to one. Stars then uh, they're able to hold on to lead. They do a good job shutting everything down. Um, kind of a uh, hectic final minute and a half. A because Stars should have gotten a power play uh, because clear blatant boarding call in the corner that was missed. I was in the uh, elevator trying to get down to make yeah. sure I didn't miss the start of the post-game show, and I saw it and went, that's a pretty dirty hit. It was actually Nick Brett Ritchie. Ritchie's younger brother, Nick, who yeah. caught him in the numbers, and how was that not a penalty? Yeah. And then, of course, that, that question, Sean, and I, again, we don't like to rail on the refs too yeah. much because it gets stale, Yeah. but there were several times tonight where I uttered the phrase, how was that not a penalty? Yeah, it, was, it, was, uh, it wasn't the finest night for the officials. And the fans, boy, great crowd tonight, really crowd, in the yeah. game. And I truly believe that although they didn't get a lot of power play opportunities tonight, the Stars, that they definitely helped encourage the referees to make the calls. They were in it, uh, all over it, and the, it felt like a playoff atmosphere. It did, really like was play, it did feel like a playoff atmosphere, and then kind of an oddity, minor note, that just at the end of the game, um, it was, uh, the Stars t actually take a penalty with 21 seconds left in the game, um, and they go to the six on four to kill the game, but it's actually one of those where it actually worked out in their favor because when you go to the six on four, now you don't want to do it for an extended period of time. And you don't, you're not intentionally taking the penalty. But the silver line is you can ice the puck, and so you kill. So instead of having to kill, instead of icing the puck, and then only killing four or five seconds off the clock, you kill a good seven, eight seconds, and just really just ice, ice yep. the handle. Yep. And here's the one funny thing. I thought they might get, take a shot at the empty net or get a shot at it because and that would be the first time in a while the Stars have scored more than two goals in a game mm -hmm. and one. 
Um, they just have the, the offense the output has been down a little bit, uh, but they've defended well and again good. Good goaltending. I thought Ryan Miller was the best goalie on the ice tonight because he had to be. I don't think Kari Lettinen was bad at all. In fact, I think he was great. But I don't think that the Dutch created as many chances to score because they were A, tired. I thought the Stars really took it to him through the second period on. That leads me to a question for you, Sean. We'll go to the lightning round in a minute. Yeah. And real quick, on Lettinen, same thing. I mean, no blame on the goal against for a shot. I think he would want that goal back. I think he would want it back. But that's being overly critical. Yes. Because when I say he would want it, goalies are very picky about thinking they can stop anything they can see. And he got beat on a great shot. But if you ask, I don't know if you guys asked Kari or not, I bet you he would have said, man, I'd like that one. Yeah. Even though I'm not calling that a softball. Yeah, we, we didn't talk to Kari after the game, but one thing I'd be interested to, to talk to him next time I get a ch- chance to talk to him, it won't be until later next week because there's no practice tomorrow. That's but right. I, I, obviously, I think it was an interesting because so they ice the puck down. Well, not ice the puck. They're down. So they clear the puck all the way down. Gets left, gets it, shoots it all the way in. Um, Kari gloves the puck with like four seconds left in the game and throws it to the corner. If it's a three-one game at that time, I got to I got to imagine he takes a shot. Why wouldn't you? And he's oh, yeah. thinking about it yeah. every time because I've talked to him about it yeah. before. And I actually asked him one shot, and he said that he thought it was a good idea, which obviously means it's perfect. He said, "Have you ever practiced?" Because he he'll practice every now shooting a puck down the ice. Yeah. He said, have you ever practiced actually catching a, a, a puck shot in, dropping it and shooting it? He goes, you know what? I don't think I ever have. It's the whole situation. Because it's easy to stand there with nobody there and shoot yeah. and work on that. But to in the scenario of catching a puck, putting it to your stick, and then trying to get up. Because he's had a couple where he's had it blocked out of midair yeah. at the blue line or even at neutral zone by the other team because they don't want his shot to go in. That's actually how, so uh, Stars backup goalie for the time being until that Bishop returns, that's actually how Mike McKenna scored a goal in junior that way. Um, catching the puck, putting it down, and shooting at the length of the ice. Right. Um, it's, uh, and he is the opposite catch, which is always interesting. Sean sees a police officer in the dark. Trying not to get caught for speeding, so I think you're all right. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, so here's the question for you. Um, Ken Hitchcock said in the post-game presser that you were there. I'm assuming you were there. I was there. That he thought the tables flipped in the game when <laughs> when he put changed the lines, flipped the lines. We, I was chuckling about this. Or just continue. I, I was okay. I was chuckling about this from the kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy of things right. a little bit. To say. So at the beginning of the morning skate today, or the morning skate yeah. conversation with Hitch, he said that they really need to get a second line together. And I applauded the idea of Ben with Fox and Pitlick. Yanmark mm-hmm. um, getting uh, being held up because of the flu was a last-minute surprise. Yes. Actually, Devin Shore did fine. But again, I think that this team is better when Shore's in the bottom six. Yes. Um, just because it gives you more depth. Just like this team is better with Martin Hansel healthy and in the lineup because it gives you more depth down the middle. So, Hitch says, and he's right, the game flipped when he put Ben Tig and Radulov back together. So here again is the problem. How do the Stars get a second line? It's... Uh... Because they're right. When yeah. that line is going and dictating the game, they're great. To 
make the Stars team a playoff contender. Not just a playoff team. I think the Stars are a playoff team. How do they make them a team that can scare Winnipeg, Nashville, Tampa, Boston, the likes of those teams? How do they do that? They need to have a counterpunch to the, the lead right. The lead punch is Ben Sagan Radulov. If they had Hanmark, Hansel, and somebody, Richie, uh, I, I should get off the soapbox and not say Pat Maroon or Michael Grabner. Well, they're gone. They're, they're, right, they're not. They're, they're but that's my point. Is that it should be Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza hasn't scored a goal in over 20 games. He hasn't had a point in over 10 games. Jason Spezza last scored the goal in uh, Detroit when he scored Two goals. twice. Yes. Uh, and so Do you actually, know that since Thanksgiving he scored four goals in three games? But Jason Spezza is averaging two goals per game in the first game after a scratch. So <laughs> Hitch was a great coach and looked at the analytics. He should do it again. He would scratch him every other game and he would get two goals every other game from Jason Spezza. So scratch him against the I'm Montreal Canadiens and have him play against Toronto. I'm being facetious. Yes, I know. But, but here's the thing. Once again, we find ourselves with... How do they get a second line? I thought the Dickinson line with Ellie and Richie was good. Or, uh, sorry. It's good, but there's not enough finish. It, right, and that's what he said. He said they were great, they need to work on their offensive zone. I think it was Smith and Ellie. Richie was with Spencer and Roussel for the most part. It was it was Smith and Ellie with Dickinson, right. yes. I, yeah. I liked what they did. I thought they had good positive shifts. They didn't create a ton of offense. Jamal Smith is the one outlier here. So he rarely gets to play. When he does, he usually does something notable in a good way. Yeah. And he is, I think, he hasn't played more than 10 minutes in a game. In a while. In a while. Yeah. And yet, he has a goal in his last seven games. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Jason Spezza, your $7.5 million man, has zero goals in 20-plus games. And you sit there and scratch your head and go, like, for example, I don't know if it's a technique issue at this point or if it's a confidence issue because there were a couple times tonight where one he was uh, it was in the beginning of the third period he finds himself one on one with, with Ryan Miller oh, that was and can't get a shot off and I don't Miller looked like he may have gotten a little stick check but again he might have but either either way it's in that spot Jason Spencer yeah. confident Jason Spencer scores there or at least gets a great shot off there were another excuse me there was another instance where do you remember in years past he would come bombing down the wing get a little space and just crank a shot and score some short side, but really create at least a big rebound. Well, or, or he's he, not even getting a shot off there. And, and he would have, not only did he have the ones where he would come down and crank it down, um, it was the Minnesota playoff series, remember, two years ago, where Dubnik basically planned for it one time after he got bombed in the head earlier yep. in the series. Planned for it, he faked it, Dubnik basically flinched and fell and he scored. Yes. <laughs> right, I mean, that was Spencer clicking on 33 goals. Yes, yes. And, you know, an interesting question that we were asked after the show tonight does Jason Spencer fit better in Lindy Ruff's system than Ken Hitchcock's system? 100%. I don't even think that's much of a thought. Yeah, 100%. It's, his style of play and his game is much better suited for that with. Uh, more options because he is quite a, a skilled passer. More hectic chaos in the offensive zone and less back checking. <laughs> well, the other thing with Jason Spezza is the coaches are also to blame here too. Like space, the player deserves the player has to look at himself and he has to. Sure. But the coaches have never really put Jason Spezza this season in a spot to succeed. Let's be let's, for a long period of time. It's, he's never been to get some. Coaches, he's been. But. He's never really gotten. He's always been, 
He's dealing with players that aren't scorers. He needs he plays with the puck, and he needs to be able to guys that he can actually build off of, and he hasn't had that. They um, played him with Ben and Sagan, but for a very short period of time. So, I mean, there is blame for the, the coaches here because they there is a clear distrust. And Ken Hitchcock says the nice things about Jason Spezza, how older players need to do this and that and this and that, but. Based on actions, there's obviously a distrust in Jason Spezza's game from Ken Hitchcock, and he just doesn't have that, and there's only so much Spezza can do right. to He's get those opportunities. Kill, although he did kill penalties a little bit the other night. Yeah, that was a weird... Because Foxo was out yeah. and he needed a guy to take a face off. They yes. were hoping he'd win the draw, and off he goes. Yeah, but he didn't win the draw. All right, so let's get to the lightning round, because okay. we have a lot to talk about, and none, there's quite a few issues that we also want to discuss. Okay. Dallas writes in... Even though a top three spot would be nice, I think I really think I'd rather the Stars stay in the top wildcard spot and play Vegas rather than get steamrolled by Winnipeg. What do you guys think? Uh, well, I think we've kind, of, we've kind of touched on it before. Matchup-wise, basically, I believe Vegas is their best first-round matchup. The difficult thing with that wildcard spot is we don't know whether Nashville or Vegas are going to be the top seed. Because, who, in theory, Vegas... The Stars could be locked into that... Say the Stars are locked in that first wildcard spot. Say Nashville and Vegas... I don't know if they play the last day of the season. Um, like the Stars play Saturday. The initial yes. season sends in. Saturday is the last yeah. game of the season. For the last Stars. Day. They and, play against yeah, the, the Kings. LA Kings. Yeah. So the, star, the Stars could be locked into the first wild card. By the way, the Stars play in Anaheim the day before. Yes. So they're playing a back to back to finish the season. LA has that day off mm -hmm. the day before. So they'll yeah. be. In theory, more rested and ready. That would probably be a big game. Stars would but, love for yeah. that to not be a big game. Yes. Um, but the Stars could be locked into their wild card spot, and in theory, they could look like they're going to Vegas. But then Nashville surpasses. Then Vegas. Then if they're in that first wild card spot, um, I'm mumbling over my words here. But basically, you don't know who's going to get the top overall seat. And so that's right. the difficulty. Well, I, I think you do. I think Nashville is not going to be caught by Vegas. They have. I don't think so either. They have opened up a little bit of a gap. Um, I don't think that Vegas will. I think. I think. You, right, because the, 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 where you're going here, and now I'm stumbling over yeah. it, you don't want to be in the second wild card and have to play the Nashville Predators in the first round. Exactly. I'm not saying that you can't beat the Preds. I'm saying if you have an option, don't play Nashville in the first round. Yes. Um. But that being said, I think Winnipeg would. That's the, this is the problem again, Sean, where the seating format is all wrong. Correct. Okay? Is, Here's where the problem is again. You are being punished for finishing higher in the standings by having to play the second. Because I really think there's a chance with the way Winnipeg's playing, they might be the second best team in the Western Conference by the end of the regular well, season. The, I mean, the, the, the biggest, second best record. One, one of the biggest flaws in this playoff form is the fact that. Very likely, either Nashville or Winnipeg will be out after the second round. Yes, when it should be, if if they perform as well as we think they will, they should, it should be a conference final, final matchup. Yes. Now, of course, they can be knocked off. Yes, of course, of course. But right, but it's the same reason why the Dallas Stars two years ago shouldn't have played St. Louis in the second round. It should have been potentially a third round because they were the top two teams in the regular season yes. in the West. Okay, next question. Um, TC writes in. Uh, this is not TC for the ticket, by the way. Is there some new NHL ruling that forbids penalties against teams wearing black and slash orange? Nearly lost my voice at the game just yelling at the referees. On a more serious note, seems like wins like this one are a mark of a good team. Thoughts? 
Um, well, for one, the stars don't draw penalties. Across the board, the stars don't draw penalties. They're one of the least yeah. uh, times uh, yeah. opportunities on the power play teams, the least ability to draw power plays in the league. It, it's interesting because it's not like the stars are... I'll use the... It's not like the stars are a problem child. It's not like the stars are complaining and... and and, 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 and getting on the refs, because that's sometimes when you do that, you get a reputation as a team that complains and you don't get calls. The Stars aren't a team like that. Um, so it's, it's a bit baffling, because on one hand, they're not... On one hand, it's on the players. They have to draw a bit more right. themselves. But on the other hand, there's other times where you look at what the Stars are doing and you look at the penalty dis, uh, disproportion going the other way and you just wonder... What else can they really do? Um, so I don't think it's not just an Anaheim. It's not just a thing against Anaheim. It's a thing all season. The Stars just have been kind of on the wrong side of penalties. Just they don't draw them. They haven't drawn enough, and they've taken too many. Yes. Um, next question is from Alex. He says, "Not a question, but my fear is that we don't improve our even strength offense." If we don't improve our even strength offense, we're going to miss the playoffs. The ironic part is, Sean, beginning of the season, the Stars were carried by their power play. They were struggling to score five on five, but the power play was so good, one of the best in the league. In fact, I think they hit first at one point that it said, well, we don't have to worry about it as long as we keep scoring power play goals. He's right, but it was a concern. And then the power play dried up and even strength started to really take off. He said, we're a better team what, from mid-December on yeah. because we're scoring five on five. And then the power play wasn't coming through. You need a happy medium here. Yeah, so I don't think I don't I don't think a lack of five. You need some five on five. This is score. also hitch hockey. Yeah, yes. Low scoring. Yeah. Well, it's not great. They're not gonna. They're, 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 the next stretch of games, with the exception of Ottawa and Montreal, are against playoff teams. Yes. You're not gonna get a six goal night. I mean, maybe there'll be an off night here or there in this. I would love to see Pittsburgh after playing in Toronto come back home and lay an egg at home against the Stars. I don't think it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Montreal go to Columbus and then come back and have a terrible home game. You can't count on it. No, Look at what Ottawa did to the Stars the other night. No, and I think the other thing about it, too, is I don't think... I think they're. I think they've got enough to be a playoff team. I, I guess I look at both them, their schedule, and obviously it's tough. But I look at both what they can do, and I look around them. I'm not really sold. Personally, I think the teams that are holding spots right now are the teams that are going to be in. Nothing's can change. But I'm not sold on Calgary coming back. I'm not sold on Colorado continuing to push. Nathan McKinnon's been a hell of a story. I think that St. Louis is done. I think St. Louis I is think done. Calgary is. They won tonight. They're still in it. But I think that Colorado is more of a concern for the Stars than Calgary is. Yes, they are. But I, I but still... you have to watch out for the three California yeah, teams because yeah. they're going to continue to shuffle. Yes, but I look at it where I think the Stars are a playoff team. The key, though, is you're going to need some more five-on-five -five scoring to win a playoff And series. you need somebody other than Ben Sagan Radulov to do it. Yes. You need a, a, a line that can punch back and create that... Ideally, Fox and Roussel Pitlick is your third line because they're the best matchup checking-wise, mm -hmm. and you have another center line. Again, here's here's a chance for Spencer or Dickinson to step up and show that they can help provide some offense so it's not all on Ben Sigg and Radulov. Mm -hmm. um, Nathan writes in, this lingering knee injury with Mathot sounds concerning heading into playoffs. Should we assume he won't be 100% fit for the rest of the season? He's still not 100% fit. He's told me that. He's told us that. He's yes. not. He's admitted that he's not 100%. He's admitted that but he, to... he turned a bit of a corner. Yeah. In well, a good way, and this feels a bit of a setback. Yes. 
Um, and he's admitted that it's something he has to manage for the rest of the year. It's something, but we so we talked to him uh, about a week ago, where he talked about how we saw we saw him going forward more in his game. We saw him doing a bit more and feeling more confident, more comfortable. Um, now, here's something I don't know because we didn't really get a chance to dive deep into it with Hitch after the game. I'm curious of how much how much this was how, how much of this was probably they should have managed his knee better after the back-to-back. Sure. Maybe, maybe they should have given him a day off from practice yesterday. Maybe they should have said, hey, Well, no, and how much is this because Essel and Bell was out that they could not yes. give Mark Mathot maybe the national day off for... I mean, he was going to play against Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. But, but could he have been sat to rest that game? And obviously, Lindell was sick. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have the option. Yeah. So, um, it's, I mean, you could have. You could have called up Hetherington or something, yeah. but it, it would have been a... Non-emergency, but it also would have been a non-emergency recall. Well, I mean, yeah, well, it, you're, 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 you could have said that somebody was yeah, hurt, and that yeah. wouldn't have been too fabricated. Too far-fetched. Yes. All right, you ready for the last one? Yes. This is the topic that we'll finish it off tonight. Okay. Ranking of ducks. Ranking of ducks. This is a topic that was brought up by the Stars video board. You lead off your discussion, and then I have some comments from okay. the, the, so the Stars. Video, the Stars posted a video board today on the their, the top five uh, ducks. On the top five ducks, um, top first, five ducks of all time. Of all time. Obviously, there's a bit of tongue in cheek on the mm-hmm. video board. So, but and so first they had um, oh, number one was Launchpad yeah, and Quack from uh, obviously Ducktales. Uh, Ducktales or ta- Tailspin or Ducktales? I thought it was Ducktales. Okay. Yeah, Dolly had Ducktales. Ducktales. Wasn't he the, the he was the pilot yes. in Ducktales? Yes. Yes. Um, then they had Scrooge McDuck. Then they had Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck. Then they had Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. And then they finished with with Daffy, uh, Daffy Duck. Um, Jason writes in Donald was a severe omission. Donald was a severe omission. Yes. Brad then responded to him. Brad Gardner, okay. defending BG, Brad Gardner. You're old then, and I completely in a completely unrelated matter. I agree with you. A couple of David wrote in another GIF kind of that, and then Aaron wrote in Howard should not even make the list. All right. What say you, Sean? Um, when I originally tweeted this, and I will stand by this, Darkwing Duck, in my opinion, should be number one. Darkwing? Yes. Okay. Uh, now, the uh, the biggest... Uh, I'm going to hold my thoughts until the end. Obviously, the biggest uh, snub of the list, he should have been number two. Donald Duck. Yes. How is Donald Duck not number one? Oh, come on. His name is Donald Duck. He is one of the original members of the, uh, was it Disney, right? Yes. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse. It's Club. the song. Yeah, but Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. In today's era of Me Too, how is Daisy not on the list? I mean, that's a grievous oversight. I get it. You're looking for some obscurity, and it's funny, but Donald and Daisy. Here's my list. And also, Donald, also, Donald and Daisy. If you're gonna put Howard the Duck on there, use the picture of the actual duck. And not the, not a chicken. Not a chicken. By the way, that might be sarcastically intended. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, my list would be Donald one because of longevity. Daisy two. I will let you go with Darkwing three if you want. I think that's crazy. I think Scrooge has to be in it. Everybody knows who Scrooge McDuck is. Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows who he is. Right. So he's well known, and obviously the diving into big giant piles of gold coins. I, by the way, physics 
says that that's a very painful, terrible idea. A lot of broken bones. Right, you're not actually going to swim in that. No, you'd have a better chance with uh, piles of money, mm -hmm. uh, paper money. But I would still like to see a big room full of gold. So, Donald and Daisy 1-2, I will art let you say Darkwing 3, but it should be Scrooge. No, Daffy! Daffy should be 3. And then let your obscurities, let Launchpad be 4, and, and there you go. Darkwing, you can be 5. Darkwing Duck should still be 1. No. I will I... fight that like Bruce fights for a third star. <laughs> <laughs> the three stars of ducks. <laughs> yep. Did you have to pick this with seven minutes left in the, uh, in the debate as well? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you get an opportunity to watch the end of the duck lore. Um, I feel like we're leaving out a duck somewhere. Um, Looney Tunes, you got to give Daffy at least third. All right, your thoughts? Are you, we're well, done? I, have, we, have we exhausted the duck topic? I think, I think we've exhausted the duck topic. Alright, uh, no car cast for the next two weeks. That's not by our design, that's the NHL schedule. That is. Stars and Bruins, uh, two weeks exactly from today, uh, will be the next home game. Uh, hopefully the Stars will be in a good position after a six-game road trip, because the only way, we were talking with Ralph, the Stars' longtime broadcaster during our post-game show, he even said, he said, nobody moves anywhere in the standings because you win one, you lose one, there's three-point games, all this stuff. He said the only way you lose, you move is you win six or seven in a row or you lose six or seven in a row. Mm -hmm. And then you'll, you nosedive or you go fly up. Other than that, you're all convoluted. And so the Stars, six games, possible 12 points. Is six enough in this trip for, for you or is that not enough against a really tough slate well, of contests so and with, travel? With the win today, they're up to... Uh, 82? 82 points. 80. Oh, by the way, after 70 degrees today, and it should be 80 on Saturday here in DFW, they're headed to some snow-covered land, which they haven't been in a while. It's been California, hmm. Nashville, Dallas. Oh, hey, cold weather again. I know. I got to pack a coat. I'm going to Winnipeg next week. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Manitoba um, in March. The, uh, so... They're at eight. I think they'd like to be at ninety coming out of the trip, so which would be eight, eight points. Eight out of, eight out of twelve. Yes, um, that would be very exciting. I think eighty-eight would be. Ex I think eighty-eight would be doable. That's why this was a really big win. You have to. It, you have to get at least fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. So I think eighty-eight is the bare minimum. Um, ninety coming out with ninety points, so eight of the twelve is the ideal. Yes. Um, anything better is gravy. I think. And Here's then, the problem. You play Pittsburgh on Sunday. They're an excellent team. Mm -hmm. They're really going to be tough. But it is the second night for them, so they will be fatigued a bit. The Stars are leaving fairly early. They should get in tomorrow early enough to get some rest. And yes. I think they need points in that game. Because if you lose that game, now you need six to eight points in ten in five games. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, yeah, and then you play Montreal and their tired team. You need to get points in that game. If you do that, you're setting yourself up for a good trip. If you find yourself chasing games early... It's going to be a long trip, and it's going to get worse. Because think about this, Sean. How if the Stars lose this game tonight? It's a tough, it's tough sliding. Where the confidence is with the team? Oh, They've yeah. now suddenly lost three in a row. They're o two and one. If mm -hmm. they do that, they're questioning themselves. They've had some injuries. Bishop's still not in. Yeah. Where do you go? Now they win this game, and everything feels a little bit better, doesn't it? Yeah. And the silver lining on an east, east on an eastern trip, well, it's an eastern trip with a random stop in Winnipeg. It's kind of an odd schedule. but um, It's four straight Canadian cities yeah. going east to west, back to east a little bit. Yeah. 
Right? They're going from Montreal to Toronto, back to Ottawa, over to Winnipeg, and then down to Washington, D.C. Yeah. So the silver lining with this, too, is you can play as many three-point games as you want. Right. You can play all, even, all these teams. Even Winnipeg. Because, I, I mean, I, I've kind of... They can't catch Winnipeg. They can't catch Winnipeg. You can play six three-point games. If you can get to overtime... If you can get overtime in all six games, that's six points. And then you, you just, just, you just have to steal a couple, and yeah. the Stars are very capable yes, in yes. overtime of doing that. So... That's the silver lining in this. Obviously, it's tough with the travel and the teams they're playing How against. How passive do you want them to play? I don't want them to play passive. Right. But my point, my point is, you can, you don't play safe. You're not in the point where you're like going to. It's where you're going to St. Louis and Minnesota. And you have to or, pull a goalie and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you and have, try to win you know, in regulation. Or, you, or you're looking as like we're picking up. You only pick up one point on an opponent who's. And it doesn't get any easier when they come yes. home. They. They play Boston. They have a home and home with Minnesota. Home and home with Minnesota. The California teams on the road again, where they typically play well. But again, it's getting tough. It um, is. Have a good trip. You'll okay. be away for part of that mm -hmm. with the athletics. So I'll see you possibly before then, possibly against the Boston Bruins. Possibly. Yeah. Everyone, uh, thank you for listening and uh, have a uh, wonderful. Uh, Enjoy the wonderful weather here in DFW. It's going to be warm tomorrow slash today, 20 degrees colder the next day, and Donald Duck's just still be number one. And we now do weather reports.